Hello, friends. Thank you for listening to the Edison Chapel podcast. My name is Rod Tucker. I'm the lead pastor at Edison Chapel. And sometimes we have some technological difficulties in recording the sermons. And so I'm recording this one after the fact, but I will try to talk about the things we talked about as closely as we did when we were doing our service on Thursday night. Again, thank you for listening. For those of you who don't really know what Edison Chapel is, but who have somehow found this podcast, we are a church in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and our vision is to be a simple, sustainable church that empowers the neighborhood around us. That neighborhood is the Edison neighborhood, and there's a lot of reasons for why we want to do that. There's a lot of really big picture reasons for why we want to do that, but if you just jump online to edisonchapel.com, you can see what we're about, you can see what we're doing, and if you even want to partner with us in some way, you can join up and be a part of the movement we're trying to start. So recently, uh, we launched our first service, and that service went really well. We meet on Thursday nights at 6 p.m. at Tree of Life School, and we started a series titled Things That Matter, Things in the Bible That Matter. The first week, I talked about coats, and this week, we are talking about bread through the Bible. So that's a little bit about us, but I will get started and take you through bread in the Bible. If you think about some of the beginning stages of this concept of bread, and I'm not going to go through every single time bread is mentioned, but I would like us to go back to the Old Testament and land in Egypt. The people of Israel had been enslaved by Egypt. They had been enslaved by the pharaohs. And the people that were in slavery by the time Moses arrived on the scene had been born into slavery. They didn't know any other way of life. And when you're born into slavery, you think like a slave, you act like a slave. Everything you do is predicated on the fact that you are a slave, and so it's very difficult to think differently or in any other way than a slave. And so you try to remember your old belief systems, and you try to pass the things down from the God of Israel that engaged with Abraham in a very relational way, but it's difficult when you are in service to the Pharaoh. The other thing that happens when you're born into slavery is that all of your needs are then met by your slave master. And there was a belief in Egypt that the Pharaoh was God. And so if the Pharaoh who claims to be God is meeting your needs, then your concept of God can get twisted very easily. And this had happened for the Israelites. So ultimately, the same people who were meeting their needs, giving them bread to eat, were the same people who were oppressing them and causing them to live as slaves. But God did something amazing with Israel. He brought Moses on the scene and he reminded them that there is a relational God who loves them, not just a Pharaoh who wants to enslave them and say that he is God, but there is a God who loves them and wants to meet their needs through his kingdom and not through the empire that Pharaoh built. There is a big difference between God's kingdom and empire, especially when it comes to meeting our needs. And so the the Red Sea parts 
and miraculously Israel walks out into freedom and they get out there into freedom and they say, I wish we were back in Egypt <laughs> where at least we had bread. Because in Egypt, they knew where their food was coming from. Although it was it was minimal, and although all of the bread was being hoarded by the Egyptians and that empire, they knew that their small rations would be given to them, and they knew where it was coming from. And sometimes to exist as a slave, but, but know where a little bit is coming from, might feel better than the potential of something much more free, where there could be much greater abundance. And so God meets Israel where they're at and and God drops manna from heaven. And this manna takes a unique form because as Egypt hoarded wealth, and this is the empire of provision, manna could not be hoarded. Manna came from heaven and it, it landed on the ground around them. And, and, and if anyone took a cue from Egypt and tried to store up the manna, like Egypt would store up things for themselves and not share, but, but want to be thanked when they did finally share as if they were gracious people to their slaves, but in the end they were just hoarding and keeping things away from them. If someone tried to copy Egypt's model, the model of building an empire, and hoard the manna to themselves, what they found was that the manna turned into maggots and worms. But if they, if they received the gift of God in God's kingdom, and they treated it like it was supposed to be treated, then they found that there was always enough for everyone, and there was an abundance to be shared. See, the difference that we learn from Egypt to the desert, where God's kingdom is dwelling and leading Israel with a fire and a cloud, is that in God's kingdom... The bread that he gives you must be shared and it will always come in abundance, but it cannot be stored. Versus in the empire, wealth, possessions, food, belongings are stored and kept from others. Some of the biggest wars in history have have started because of a belief in lack or a poverty mindset or wanting more where someone wants some of something and someone doesn't want to give them that and so they fight over it. And and I, after diving into this passage and, and this idea of bread in the Old Testament, realized that the manna turning to maggots, if it was stored up, was a gift from God. It's a gift from God that, that kept peace in Israel. The people wandering who didn't know how to live as free people, but only knew how to live as slaves. If God did not allow them to store up his provision, then there was no reason for them to hoard, to fight, to demand a king, and to take power over each other. And I think God does the same thing with us all the time. If we can live our life with an open hand, if we can receive the things of God's kingdom that he has for us and share them in their newness, not store them up and wait for them to get old and then believe that when we give our excess to the poor, we are somehow being the gospel to the poor. But 
Instead, if we can realize that as God gives us abundance, we can immediately turn it around and share it like manna from heaven, we can find greater peace, greater joy, and greater love, something that exists in the heart of God and that God has for us. But oftentimes for our own safety and for our own security, we want to store things up and we want to keep them from people. And then we start to believe that we need to protect those things that we've stored up from people who don't have the thing we stored when all the while God has created the abundance that we have to be shared in its newness right away with those around us. Otherwise it begins to smell and people look at us Jesus followers and they say they sure talk a big game but they don't live what they say they sure talk like they know what's right and how to live and what to believe but their lifestyles are kind of smelly kind of smells like maggots and so Israel moves through the desert and finds their their way and they build a city and it's not long into them building a city that Rome takes over the world. And Caesar Augustus believed in the concept of Pax Romana, the peace of Rome by the rule of Rome, where if we could get everyone to believe the same as us and, and, and live our way, then there would be peace in the world. I was reading on a theology curator, and it, and it said that Caesar Augustus, celebrated as a hero after the strife of civil war, was considered the great source of peace for Rome. After defeating the enemies of Rome, he was celebrated as a great savior to the people who would have likely been hopeless, and had victory not been achieved, they would have been hopeless. The themes of freedom, justice, peace, and salvation permeated his reign. Whenever the great deeds of Augustus were proclaimed, they were presented with the Greek term evangelion, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is translated good news or gospel. And after Caesar Augustus died, his, his son Caesar Augustus was declared a god, just like the pharaohs of old. And you might hear statements in that day like, by the hand of Caesar you live and you die, or by the hand of Caesar you receive the bread of life. And so Jesus enters the scene as the true Son of God, and he stands before his people and he says, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna, but I'm the bread of life. And he reminds them of the I am, the one who when Moses wanted to free them out of slavery, asked the Lord, they believe that Pharaoh is God, but who do I say, that, who do I say sent me? And God says, say, I am sent you. And Jesus says, I am the same God who brought you out of Egypt and gave you the kingdom, bread of life. I am the bread of life. That is me. Friends, you don't have to trust in the empire. This is the journey of Israel. Will we trust in the empire, the government, the politics, the things around us to meet our needs? Will we store up 
our treasures on earth um, to a point that we feel safe enough to retire and live the rest of our lives? Will we store up so much that, that those around us have less and those on the other side of the world are suffering? Will we store up so much in our own empires and trust in the empires around us that we fail to experience the kingdom of God and the generosity that comes with it? Because when I wake up in the morning in the desert as a child of, of Abraham who has been set free from slavery and I see the manna resting on the ground, I can gather it up and give it to my neighbors and experience the joy of giving something that was never mine to those around me who need it just as much as I do. And in that moment, I can experience the generosity of the kingdom. And, and it's a supernatural experience, something that I could not have experienced unless God had given it to me to share. It's such a gift to step into sharing these supernatural, beautiful things with our neighbors and with those around the world. And we might think it's our excess, but it's not. It's God's abundance. And if we can treat it like God's abundance, then we will run out and gather it off the ground and share it with our neighbors and experience the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control that comes with stepping into the kingdom. I remind you that Dallas Willard says we want to live the lives like they lived in Jesus's time and we feel like it's not for us or we don't have the faith and all the while God has given us some very tiny things to do that if we would just step into them and do them we would be fast forwarded into the kingdom of God. Friends when our faith is in empire even if that empire is church, we learn to store up treasure, wealth, and bread on earth, and the world sees us as selfish and constipated because nothing is coming out into our communities. We become rich in minerals and resources and theology and love, but because we have no tributaries going out into the world, we are like the Dead Sea where Nothing can live, not even us, because we've put our trust in empires. But when we receive the things of God's kingdom that are meant to be shared, we learn that they are abundant. But if we store them up for ourselves, they get maggoty. And no one wants this, because God's gifts to us are always new. So our gifts to each other must reflect this same posture and so when we come to the table to receive the bread, which Jesus says, this is my body broken for you, and receive his blood poured out for us for the forgiveness of sins, we have to understand that the gifts of God are abundant. And they are new. And they are fresh. And they are continually new and continually fresh. But we cannot store them up for ourselves because we don't have the capacity to hold them and keep them to ourselves. We are not gods. We are those who are sent to distribute the things of God. And if we can step into that reality when we come to the table and receive the body and blood of Christ, and if we can step into that reality with our neighbors, and if we can step into that reality in our own mind space and heart space, we can learn that Jesus truly is the bread of life, and we can start to live like he tells us to live. If you have two coats, 
give one to him who has no coats. If you have manna laying out in your front yard, collect it and share it with your neighbor. This is a gift of God. My son wanted to give his friend a present, but he didn't have anything to give his friend, and so we went to the store and I bought the present. And I gave it to my son, and with the most joy that he could possibly have, he took that gift to his friend and said, I got this for you because you're my friend. And his friend's eyes lit up, and my son's eyes lit up, and they shared in the joy of what it means to give a gift that is from your father to your neighbor. It was something that he could have never created it was something that he could have not even purchased. It was something that he could not even given. But because he embraced the kingdom of his dad and received with joy, he could give with joy. And he knew that he couldn't hoard that thing for himself. Because if he did, he would never be able to embrace the reality of who he truly is. And so we come to the table embracing the reality of who Jesus is so that then we can turn to each other and communicate who we really are. Jesus, friends, is the bread of life. He is meant to be shared, not stored. And the things of the kingdom are meant for us to take to the world not to keep to ourselves. And the blessings we have from God are not because we're highly favored and highly blessed above someone else. It's so that we can take those things and look at them in the eyes, look at the other and say, you now are highly favored and highly blessed. You can have my life. Like Jesus gave me his. Thank you for listening. May you process... May you spend time with God asking him, what does it mean for Jesus to show me how to live? And may you go in peace.